1: Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's never too early to dive into the NFL draft.
0: Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. It is draft season, Sammy. I can't wait to go over a fun little draft exercise with you today.
1: Locked on Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out, talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Networks' Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings' Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings Insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party, and it starts now. Welcome in Tuesday edition, Minnesota football party. I'm Sam Ekstrom. He's Luke Inman, part of this family here at Locked on Sports Minnesota. We're now four days a week on this program, Monday through Thursday. And our Tuesday edition, folks, is going to become draft centric, taking you up through the next three and a half months until the day that everybody gets so excited about the NFL draft. And I'm glad to have draft aficionado Luke Inman at Luke underscore Spinman. By my side, you can find Lockdown Sports Minnesota, though, in a myriad of ways. You can get us on the Roku or Amazon Fire apps, Lockdown Sports Minnesota app, I should say, on those devices. You can find us on YouTube, the Lockdown Sports Minnesota channel. We're over 4,200 subscribers. Get us to 5,000. Smash the subscribe button, and we're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. On today's show, I'm going to let Luke just take the reins, and I'm going to let him talk a little draft, maybe a, a, a little a light Vikings talker to start here, Mr. Inman. Um, it looks like Brandon Staley is staying in Los Angeles. They fired his offensive coordinator, but they didn't fire the head coach, so it looks like he's going to hang out there, and I get it. First-year coach over five hundred, second second-year coach 10-7. and There's still a lot of good things happening in Los Angeles, even though they blew a 27-point lead. I think bigger picture, Staley's actually been a pretty good presence for that team, Uh, and as much as I would have loved him on the Vikings' sideline, I think he's staying put. So the Vikings might have to look elsewhere for defensive coordinator. But I pose this to you, Luke. This is what I've been noodling on. Is the 3-4 a bust for this team? Like, if the Vikings do decide to move on from Ed Donatel, do you think they go back to what was so familiar for so many years if they do have some of those remaining pieces, like Harrison, Kendricks, Daniil, to cater to them? Would they go back to a 4-3, do you think? Would you prefer that? I think we all
0: believed Ed Donatel, and we were all willing to be patient when he came out and said week 7, week 8, week 9. This is what it looks like, okay? You're worried about Daniil Hunter? Don't worry. It takes time to transition from a 4-3 to a 3-4. Trust me, I saw it in Miami. I did it with Jason Taylor. It's going to work out. Well, it never really worked out, did it, Sam? And I think in today's NFL you have to understand as a coach, I can't come in and just force all these players to change into what I want to run. As a coach, it's my job and my responsibility to maximize my players' best skill sets. Now, I still think, as we talked about yesterday with the Hassan, on, Daniil Hunter did have a productive season. It just didn't show up on the stat board. It didn't show up in the box scores. But I think when you look at the core of this defense, and the big question here is how many of these core veterans they retain and keep back, but you look at all these guys who played under Mike Zimmer, a 4-3. In fact, the Vikings defense, just in general, the last 40 years have always been under a 4-3 defense. And I look at these core veterans, though, and if you're going to retain and bring back, let's just say the majority, I'm sure they'll lose one of them, which one, we don't know. But if you bring back the majority, you got to understand, even though most recently they did switch to a 3-4, they still got... Four, five, six—some of them seven years under their belt of that four-three defense. So I do think three-four-four-three is a little overrated. I think there should be so much hybrid defense now. So many wrinkles in your defensive playbook: three-three-five, three safety looks, different packages, five-six DBs on the field sometimes. But I think when you look at this defensive core and roster, and it starts and stops with the edge, Zedaria Smith and Daniil Hunter, what do they do best? I think a lot of people got frustrated, Sam, seeing Daniil Hunter drop back in coverage a handful of times a game and just not really producing. It'd be one thing if it worked and you saw him make a a pass deflection or maybe like Aiden Hutchinson, right? An interception or two. Never happened. And I think just getting him back to the basics and rushing the passer, doing what he does best, that's the way you maximize his talents and the majority of this defense. What do you think?
1: Yeah, so I think low-key the switch to a 3-4 was sort of future-minded because mm-hmm. I think they might have said, okay, this is a competitive rebuild situation. We're going to build this defense up for the future in this image. Um, had they known, Luke, that they would go 13-4 and four and have an offense worthy of a Super Bowl contender and the defense would be the part letting them down because of that switch, I wonder if they make the same decision. Like I think they might have underestimated how many wins they would have this year. And therefore they were, they were willing to say, all right, we're going to take our lumps because they didn't know they were going to be this good. So then when it happened, I think you had Harrison Smith playing and, and he had a good year for interceptions. I think he was much less impactful because of the way they used him, Eric Hendricks had a worse year. Daniil Hunter, it was good to have him back. I'm not going to say he had a bad year at all. Daniil Hunter had a good year. Um, But then Cam Dantzler, you know, kind of uncomfortable. I'm I'm trying to think of other pieces that were around last year. There's really not that many of them. Um, Patrick Peterson, though, like I think the the pass coverage, as bad as it was, kind of suited him well. More zone, didn't have to run step-for-step with guys. So it did look good on a couple of these players. Zadarius Smith was amazing early before he got banged up. It wasn't all entirely bad on a person-to-person basis. But if you wanted to maximize the veterans returning i think having scheme continuity would have made more sense um now do the vikings want to be knee jerk and 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 have the reverse thought to say well we were this good last year do we try Is the solve to be as good as we were on offense and switch the defense back i don't know if they want to operate that way like i think quasi might be all about the long game and then the long game in his eyes might be we want to stick with this 3-4 and raise our young players in it. So instead of catering to our 32-year-olds, we want to cater to Lewis Seens, Andrew Booths, Brian Asamoas, guys that we trained up this year in a 3-4 that are going to be our future. So I think while I would love to see them back up to their old tricks with the exotic blitzes and everything, I think they're probably going to stick with the 3-4 because that's what they envision with these younger players growing into that's my take on it.
0: Hey, coming up, we're getting into our first draft talkers of the Minnesota Vikings offseason, but just because their season's over doesn't mean you can't throw some coin on the NFL. You're talking to the football party gambling picks champ, and boy, do I like the Jacksonville KC over sitting at 53 points. Seems high, but get ready for a shootout at the OK Corral. 30-24 to 24 will get you there. I love the over. Get ready for a playoff. Mahomes versus Lawrence should be exciting. Jaguars getting eight points in that one, or how about the the Giants getting seven and a half points versus their division rival, the Philadelphia Eagles, over under in that one sitting at 48 and a half. Make sure to keep tabs all season long and check those odds out and more with Bet Online. BetOnline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, info, you want it, they got it. NFL, NBA, NHL, even MMA and UFC. BetOnline makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to BetOnline.net today to learn more. That's BetOnline.net, where the game starts.
1: Should we talk draft, Luke? Maybe, Let's we can draft, what, maybe we get into some drafts. Maybe we could talk about what players fit into three,
0: it, it, four. It's crazy how just black and white. Flip a switch as soon as the season over. Maybe I'm just a sick puppy, Sam. But boom, it's draft season for me. My mind just goes into mm. draft mode because it's the most opportunistic, hopeful time for every single team. It's the one time a year where you just know it. In some way, any shape or form, you're going to get better. So I'm ready to talk some draft. Let's just take a step back though. First, you're saying. It was a heck of a run. I don't want to discredit and just move on. I know some people are still grieving. This Vikings, what a great first season. 13 wins to kick off the Quasi koc era. Obviously, way overachieved, overexpected, what a lot of people had us pegged for, seven, eight, nine win season. Now they're in a position where you just look at the landscape, the roster, the depth chart, potential draft needs. I think I start with the offense because KOC, he's an offensive-minded coach. And you start with the offense, you go, they don't need a wide receiver, right? They could add one, but they don't need one. They don't need an offensive tackle. They don't need a running back. Even if Dalvin or Alexander Madison does leave in free agency, they still got Kenny. They still got Ty Chandler. They don't need a tight end. They got Hawkinson. But what they do need, they need defense. And no one's going to argue with me on that. After watching the season not only unfold all year with Donatel, but the way it ended so abruptly versus the New York Giants, this team needs to be replenished with young fresh defensive legs up and down the entire roster. Now, here's the good news, Sam. You kind of just touched on it. It's something that nobody's really talking about when it comes to that side of the ball. Quasi in this front office, they did do what they could last draft. They invested a lot of ammo into that side of the ball last April. Let's think mm-hmm. about it. For all the players we've been talking about, the Vikings may potentially lose which is a realistic possibility given the cap. Let's talk about who they're going to get back next year. The Vikings defense next season, they get to add basically a first-round safety in Lewis C. They get at a second round corner, and Andrew Boot Jr., highly regarded out of Clemson. A lot of people had him as a first round cornerback. They get at a third round linebacker and Brian Osamoa, the only guy really of the group we saw flashes of mostly special teams, but we know can add a ton of speed and is just ready to step in right away, assuming they do cut someone like Jordan Hicks, They're going to say about five million or so. And yeah. lastly, Another cornerback, three-secondary guys. Caleb Evans, fourth round, very small sample size. Saw him in the Washington game, but if you remember, I got to tell you, I think a lot of us liked what we saw from him in that game, and maybe he's never a true number one, alpha number one, leave him on an island corner. But there's potential for him to be in the starting rotation next season. So that's four young, fresh-legged defenders, three in the secondary. We really saw nothing from this year that will hopefully now be just an integral part of the defense from day one in training camp next August. The Vikings and Kwesi virtually did get nothing out of that draft class. You look at a team like the Seahawks, they shocked the world, made it to the playoffs because they killed their draft. We know with one great draft, any team can go from worst to first. Outside of Ed Ingram, maybe Jalen Naylor flashed a little bit at the end. This draft class did nothing, and it's not Kwesi's fault. It's nobody's fault. A lot of them got hurt, obviously. How much are you realistically expecting if you're a coach from those four players coming back next year from injury?
1: I'm, I'm honestly more optimistic than most about this draft class because seeing coming off injury – um, I think Seen has still a lot of potential. Mm-hmm. Andrew Booth worries me because of his past injury history. He seems fragile to me, not sure what he'll accomplish, but then a Caleb Evans makes up for that. I think a, he has a ton of upside. Asamoa, ton of upside. Even Ed Ingram, who I think was probably more harmful than helpful to this team, upside. Asese Odomewo, got mm-hmm. big snaps late in the year. Upside. Ty Chandler, huge preseason. Upside. Jalen Naylor. Loved him from what I saw in the Green Bay game, a little bit in that Chicago game. Upside. I think there's five or six guys that have a bunch of upside. And if you can capitalize on three of them, like half of those players, turn them into productive starters. I kind of like where they're at. And, you know, injuries prevented them from realizing some of this potential and just having veterans on the team. The Vikings weren't really trying to find starters in a lot of these players because they didn't, they didn't have needs. Um, mm-hmm. They, they, they let them develop and sit on the bench for a year. Um, So I am optimistic, Luke. I think that there is talent in this draft class. And I think we saw flashes of it, especially late in the year uh, from some of those later round guys,
0: you know, on the Vikings giants broadcast, Greg Olson said he was talking to Brian Dable and about how he was getting a lot of heat for Evan Neal, that top 10 offensive tackle they took. And he said, Hey, When Andrew Thomas, the other top 10 offensive tackle from Georgia they took two years ago, was struggling and everybody said he was a bust. Well, look at him now. He's one of the better young offensive tackles in the league. It takes time. We think Evan Neal is going to be on that same path. Just give these guys a year or two. Pump the brakes, will you? I think the same for Ed Ingram. A second round pick got so much valuable playing time and reps under his belt started every game at right guard. Certainly some ups and downs, inconsistent, but showed flashes too, especially in the run game. Just got to give this class just as a whole a year or two. You know, you get to add that group to whichever group they bring in in April. And it's almost like a double dip where you're bringing in two draft classes at once, except this year's class, obviously going to have a year under their belt. They're already going to understand the system and just the NFL nuances of the playbook. Even if it is a new defensive coordinator, the lights won't be as bright for them. That's exciting, I think, Sam. And I beg on this team a lot, the tough decisions Quasi's going to have to make now. The fact that their window with so many aging veterans might be closing. But you know what? With the offense the way it is, and you brought this up, Built to win now, if they could double down on that defensive side of the ball this draft, watch out. I think they could go from dead last to maybe middle of the pack, assuming, again, they get the right coordinator in there to help groom the young guys, maximize each unique specific skill set. So that is exciting. It's something that nobody's talking about. It's why I just want to touch on that. But let's get into this draft exercise here real quick. We'll run through this. Vikings officially have the 23rd pick in the draft, which on paper, that's already fun because they snagged Christian Derisaw with the same pick two years ago. It's the same range they drafted Justin Jefferson when he was available. So hopefully someone juicy falls in their lap. But you know where I'm starting this time around in a dream scenario? It's back at cornerback. First of all, you got Pat Pete. He's aging. He's a free agent. Don't even know if he's going to be back. Duke Shelley, free agent, probably bring him back. Is he a staple in that secondary? Jury's still out. Jury's still out, really, on Cam Dantzler and Andrew Booth. And if you miss on one of those guys, let alone both, and you look back, you're sitting there in 2024 and say, we got to fix this then at that point, it's almost already too late. And the fact that corner is just one of those positions, I just value so highly. You can never have enough good cover corner guys anyways. With the way teams and offenses use athletic tight ends, running backs in the passing game, spread teams out four or five wide, you need to be able to match up with those types of players in the passing game Otherwise, teams will just find that one mismatch. Maybe it's a Chandon Sullivan display, and they're just going to exploit it all day long. That's just how it works. There is five to six legitimate first-round players in this group, and if you watch one of them fall right in your lap, and not only add a great player, but just check off a huge position of need at the same time. Mm -hmm. So in this exercise, I'm going to give you a good, better, best scenario here, Sam. We'll start with the good. A good scenario is grabbing the best remaining top cornerback on the board available and just keep adding young talent into that secondary room. Devon Witherspoon, Illinois, checks all the boxes. 5'11", 190, maybe a touch undersized, but great athleticism, great speed. What really pops off the tape, though, Sam, Toughness for being a pinch smaller, loves to get physical and run support. Comes downhill, smacks you in the mouth. Played twelve games as a freshman, so he's got a lot of snaps logged under his belt. And again, just showcases this great fluid coverage skills and presser man. Maybe this guy's never an elite number one corner, but maybe he's about as safe as a guaranteed great number two corner for any team. And the Vikings just need guys like that that can cover, help stop the run. Add some physical nature and attitude to this defense. Gritty, physical, fast, fluid. He's got it all. He's just not the tallest, not the longest arm, not the biggest guy in the world. Otherwise, he would be probably a lock, top 15 pick. That's scenario A, the good scenario. Helps you sleep easy at night knowing you got Sean Booth, Evans, and now Witherspoon in your secondary for years to come. Gotta love it. Quick thoughts on scenario A, the good scenario, Sam.
1: Yep. Yep. Weatherspoon, couple picks in his last collegiate game. I uh, mm-hmm. had a pick against the Gophers a couple of years ago. Yeah, I like that resume. And it's not like, um, you know, Caleb Evans is gigantic either. He might be a little, a little light. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that we've learned you can be pretty effective, um, even if you're a little undersized. I'm seeing him mocked around seventeen right now, CBS mm-hmm. Sports. Uh, so that could easily fall to number twenty three. We'll see how the combine goes. Let's see, this one, is he in the first round? Yeah, these five, six corners, it doesn't seem like there's a clear cut, number one.
0: So combine, team interviews, pro days, it's really going to determine if one of those guys can separate from the pack, a guy like Cam Smith from South Carolina, Keeley Ringo from Georgia, they're Mm -hmm. probably near the top. I'll get to the next couple though here in a second. So that's scenario A. That's the good scenario. The but Mike Zimmer
1: scenario. The corner in the first round scenario. Exactly. And I yeah. don't hate it, Luke. I I, I, like, good. I like that positionally good. because you probably – I think you lose Patrick Peterson. I just I think, think so. that he's going to be a little bit too pricey after the season he had, and you don't want to be the team that gets stuck giving him three years $21 million at his age. So Shelly – Danceler, Booth, um, Evans. Evans tossed those four in the mix with a first round rookie and I like your chances to find three starters from there, and maybe bring in in a cheap slot. Maybe it's Chandon again, but Mm -hmm. you can get slots for a million dollars. Bring in a slot to solidify the interior, and then just have those guys duke it out on the outside. Why
0: I love it here, Sam, is because you're not only feeling a need, but it doesn't feel like you're just reaching and just taking. We need a corner, so we got there's going to be five or six legit, worthy first-round players. One of them has to fall in your lap at pick 23. They're just not all going to go. If that's the good scenario the better scenario in our good better best exercise it's taking another corner but just getting a little luckier and having a better one fall to you because again this class about five to six great first round covered corner guys at the top so someone like joey porter jr from penn state or christian gonzalez from oregon would be outstanding finds gonzalez is the taller longer of the two he's six foot two and change but for me and my money Joey Porter Jr. It's a guy I'm starting to just drool over. NFL jeans mm-hmm. are worth the price alone. Son of former stud, Steeler linebacker Joey Porter. So you know he can hit. You know he's a natural at getting physical. He fits himself in the run game. He had 113 tackles as a cornerback in college at Penn State last year alone. You know the NFL stage won't be too bright for him or too big. On top of that, You know, Gonzalez is big. Well, it doesn't mean Joey Porter's small. I mean, he's big too six foot one and a half, great speed. He sniffs out the ball, great ball tracking. Dude had 20 passes defended and one interception in 2022. I'll tell you what, Penn State under James Franklin has turned into an NFL pedigree factory for guys like Jaquan Brisker. He's already balling out in Chicago. Micah Parsons, he's a superstar. Arnold Ebiketie, another edge rusher. I think Porter Jr. is the next in line to fit the bill. That would be an even better scenario here. Porter or Gonzalez, you'd be thrilled with if either one fell that far. But for me, it's early in the process I I know I'm already leaning Porter Jr. as a guy who, he won't go top 10. He could be one of those guys that falls realistically, a realistic option to the Vikings when they're picking at 23. Of course, again, the combine testing results, all going to play a huge factor in how much these guys move up and down. But as of now, these are all legit first-round talent players. Thoughts on the better scenario here I've laid out, Sam?
1: Yeah, it it seems like if things stay the same, if they Mm -hmm. drafted today, he probably doesn't fall. This is one of those guys where maybe he like measures an inch shorter than you think, or maybe he's a 10th of a second slower than you think. You almost hope that if you're a Vikings fan, because that teams can get spooked for really weird reasons and if the expectation is just kind of outlandishly high right now, and then mm-hmm. he doesn't quite live up to it, maybe he loses some favor um, and teams get psyched out. And then he falls in your lap. Cause I, I think that the name recognition is going to send him um, maybe a little higher. We're our, we're starting to see Luke guys that we, in our teen years grew up watching, having kids in the league and a it's lot wild. of them are ballers, a lot of And we've, there's a few of them in this class, Marvin Harrison, Jr. Another mm-hmm. example. Um, the genes are strong the genes are strong but it's hard to argue with that physical frame that you laid out for Joey Porter Jr. Um, that sounds that sounds great. Give him to me give him to me at 23.
0: Speaking of NFL genes, I don't know if I'll ever get over it. Rick Spielman, I loved you to death. He passed on Antoine Winfield's kid, man. Antoine Winfield Jr. was sitting yeah. right in his lap. Oh, Speaking of all these you know, NFL genes kind of making yeah. their way into the second wave now. Yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr., that dude's going to go top five, if not top 10 for sure. He comes out next year. That's going to be very interesting. One last tidbit about Vikings picking at 23 here, Sam, and needing a cornerback. Now, there is five, six good ones. You'll take any one of them, but... I just want to lay this out here for you. The seven teams picking ahead of the Vikings all could go corner. Washington at 16 easily could take a corner. Pittsburgh at 17, needs a corner. Detroit at 18, I could see Joey Porter Jr. going there. Tampa Bay at 19, desperately needs a corner. Seattle at 20, probably not landed Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant, but you never know. Chargers at 22, Baltimore at 23. Seven teams right there, you could see two to three corners easily going, if not more. So something to think about, something to worry. I know it's early. Free agency is going to play a huge factor into that, but something to think about there for sure all right now let's get to the best scenario here for me i look at this class so many great players and now the vikings they got a long wait from their first pick to their second because of the hawkinson trade they need more picks sam they just do in the worst way you want as many lottery picks in your hand draft weekend as possible typically in most classes once you get past top 15 20 players the difference between pick 25 and 45 really isn't that big of a difference. So adding more picks has to be the best option. Unless there's somebody on the board that you just can't pass up, I think you got to try to trade back any way, shape, or form, Best case scenario for the Vikings is almost always, you're going to hear me talk about this a lot, going to include a situation where you trade back to recoup extra picks. You're already picking late, and now you don't have a second-round pick. So that means you got to wait from pick 23 to pick 88. You're watching a lot of great players fly off the board, and that hurts. 65 starting caliber players are gone until you pick your second pick. So best case scenario in this exercise, as we sit here today, Sam, moving back the back end of round one, just like Kwasi did last year. So we know this is a move he's comfortable with. You're still getting that fifth-year option with a first-round pick. Let's just use as example the Eagles or the Bills and say a premium talent like B. John Robinson is still sitting on the board, and either of those offenses is saying, oh my God. If we can get the best running back prospect to come out in years, add them to our offense, it's just too good to pass up. We drop to the back end of round one. And if we're moving back nine spots from 23 to 32, market value, we're getting a second round pick and change. So a second and a fourth, maybe a fifth at least. So now we've got the 32nd pick. We got our second rounder back. We got pick 88. We got the Lions fourth round pick, pick 119. And we got the Bills fourth round pick, number 132. We just went from three picks to five Mm -hmm. picks in the top four. And now, all of a sudden, we can do whatever we want. Now, all of a sudden, we got freedom. We got flexibility to just let the draft fall as it may, take the best players available, and know that we're just going to come away after this weekend with five more players mixed with the four other players we didn't get to see last year, seen Booth, Asamoah, and Evans into the roster. We've just injected now a lot of youth, A lot of speed into that aging lineup to build around. Maybe we start, for example, with another cornerback, Clark Phillips from Utah. He's that sixth corner I keep mentioning. Or maybe it's a receiver, Jalen Hyatt, Tennessee, Josh Downs, North Carolina, Zay Flowers, Boston College. In this exercise, though, Sam, I'm going to go nose tackle. Baylor, Siake Akai, the dude's insane. 360 pounds, immovable object, great movement skills for his size. He's going to help the run immediately. He adds a new interior pass rusher, something the Vikings just have not had this season. Reminds you a lot of Vitavia for the Bucs. And think about what he did to that defense, helping them immediately start winning on first and second down again. Something we touched on yesterday, the Vikings were atrocious at last year. Gives you the flexibility to let Harrison Phillips play five-tech. If you want to bring back Dalvin Tomlinson, great. He can play five-tech too on the other side. But now all of a sudden, more options, more versatility, and it's just some real beef on your defensive line. Something we saw them lose the trench game a lot this year, like first the Cowboys. Sam, you take BPA, whoever that is, but if you're moving down, I really like adding the best defensive tackle remaining, adding some muscle to the middle of the defense, build this defense from the inside out. What do you think?
1: Well, Tomlinson, probably unaffordable. Mm -hmm. And the Vikings haven't had like a a gigantic stopper in there since Linval Joseph Uh, something. Why do I feel like this 360 pound guy is going to be able to run like a four eight, you know, Uh, I'm telling
0: you, it's going to be freaky, man. It's just the way it's going. He's fluid, and he's, for how big he is, he's athletic. Don't just assume he's a first and second down guy only. You're going to want to leave him in on some pass rushing situations. But then again, you just the freedom. Maybe in the second round, how about this? Go first center, John Michael Schmitz, arguably the top-rated center in the class. Maybe Garrett Bradbury wasn't re-signed. Boom, no worries. Mm -hmm. You got his replacement again. Help to start transform your trenches again. First two picks, two trench guys. I'd love that. Then, with your third and two-fourths, I think you need a cornerback in the mix, like we discussed. TCU's Tredavious Hodgins Tomlinson, undersized, so he won't go top two rounds, but he's also a natural fit at nickel cornerback inside. He can help replace Chandon Sullivan, whether it's this year or next. This guy won the Jim Thorpe Award for the nation's best DB Great value, fills a big knee, get inside cornerback. Last two picks, I think KOC needs a toy. You go receiver, go developmental quarterback. That's the ideal situation, the best situation in our good, better, best draft exercise today, Sam. What do you think about that?
1: I think fans would love John Michael Schmitz. I think uh, if you're going to go after a center, um it might make sense to draft him. I mean, I, I know you don't want to necessarily spend draft capital high on the interior line, mm-hmm. but I like having that cheap team control for, for the sure. next four years. Yeah. And center's yeah. pretty important. Like, the, the center quarterback relationship is very important. I wouldn't obviously spend a first on John Michael Schmitz, but because of his age, people might not, what, not, might not be rushing to draft him because he's pretty old. Um, So I could see him falling into the second round. And if you've amassed more picks with the trade back, then it's kind of playing with gravy, some house money and then I think that would make a little more sense all comes Uh,
0: down to obviously free agency we got to know first and foremost this is going to have a huge trickle effect is Patrick Peterson coming back is Dalvin Tomlinson coming back is Chandon Sullivan coming back is Garrett Bradbury coming back that's going to influence and impact what we do in the draft who we have to target but just today in this fun little exercise good scenario cornerback Devon Witherspoon safe sexy better scenario just a better corner Joey Porter Jr. Christian Gonzalez but the best case scenario, trade back, especially if you can't retain a lot of those guys, get some extra picks. I took the mammoth nose tackle from Baylor, get some beef in the trenches, help replace Bradbury with John Michael Schmitz. Hodgins from TCU, Jim Thorpe award winner helps replace Sullivan. But now you got a young core all of a sudden, Sam. The older guys are gone. And now you got an influx of young, new talent that, like you just said, you have team control over. You're paying on the cheap for the next four to five years.
1: Luke, we're going to get this level of draft analysis from you every Tuesday going forward on the Minnesota Football Party Mailbag Edition. Tomorrow, we've got Carol Evans, Reggie Wilson in the mix. Can't wait for that. And then Thursday, the full crew with Luke Braun and Arif Hassan. It's the Minnesota Football Party. Subscribe on YouTube, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Luke, good show. We'll talk to you next time. Sounds good, brother. Talk to you soon. It's the Minnesota Football Party.